Welcome, everybody, to the B-Team Podcast. I am Josh. I'm joined today by Brendan. Hello. And we are here with a double feature of two movies that I immensely enjoy uh, that you saw at the Tarantino Theater, correct? Yes, the new Beverly Cinema in Los Angeles. Double feature on a... Faster Pussycat. It was a beautiful 35 millimeter print they uh, they made in the 90s, and Switchblade. It was also like a newer print that Tarantino had had made because I guess uh, when Death Proof came out, they like uh, re-released it. Oh yeah, he so Tarantino for years would say that um, you know Caged Heat, Women in Cages, and Switchblade Sisters are his all-time favorite movies. And uh, anytime he's done like a list of movies that inspired him, movies he could watch over and over again, Switchblade Sisters is at the top of that list. Um, so had you seen either of these before? Yes. Uh, Faster Pussycat Kill Kill. I actually looked it up on my Larabox. I first saw on Saturday, December 15th, 2018, also at the New Beverly Cinema. Because I remember it had been one that you had always told me about. Like, dude, like, you got to watch this. This is, like, one of the, my favorite movies ever. Yeah. And just you know, reading about it online. Saw it then for the first time. Um, spoiler, loved it. Uh, Switchblade Sisters I had never seen. And I did not know really anything going into it aside from just seeing the poster and guessing that this is probably some exploitation film. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what I really like the most about these two specific movies, they are, and I think you would agree, they're basically like a, a genre blender, but not only genre, but like, you know, decade passing the torch. There are elements of the 50s in um, Faster Pussycat and, you know, there's a lot of old-timey dialogue. Obviously, it's in black and white for budget and stylistic reasons. Um, but you you almost feel like you're watching, you know, something like the old 50s B-movies where you're not going to see, like, you know, crazy themes like major, major robbery and murder and torture and, you know, all kind right. of suggestive sexual stuff. Uh, and then it just ratchets up and, and goes into overdrive. You know, especially with the whole street race thing, there's a lot of like Rebel Without a Cause in there. Um, really interesting, you know, directorial style. The whole thing was basically done for like, you know, what I would call a Roger Corman budget in the desert in Vegas on like a fucking weekend. And yeah, the, the as far as I know, a lot of it they didn't K. even have permit for. Yeah. Um, you know, these are very low budget low impact movies and so faster pussycat kill kill is russ meyer uh, i believe probably the first russ meyer we're covering he is known for what is objectively you know feminist icons in all of his characters um they are you know definitely not the damsel in distress although there is kind of one in this movie which is rare for him uh instead you have like the I'd say modern, but modern meaning 60s upgrade of the femme fatale. And, you know, really like the, the women are the villains in most of his movies. Um, he was obsessed with extremely large breasts and there's not really nudity in this movie. Um, there are like, you know, suggestive shower scenes, but you don't see anything. All of his other movies, I mean, some of them are pretty much porn, uh, but this movie 
next to Hammer has probably like the best cleavage shots you'll ever see in a movie. Yes. Um, huh. Yeah, I would say he was a he made sexploitation films mostly that you know yeah. had you know just the kind of the campy vibe, uh, a satire kind of undertone to them, and then yeah, generally very attractive women in all the roles. <laughs> Oh, yeah. And, you know, anyone who ever worked with him, they always said, like, he was a saint, he respected his actresses, so he wasn't, you know, he didn't have that kind of reputation, which is good. Yeah. I'm sorry, what did you say? I was, I was literally about to ask you, when did you first? Oh, when, whatever, yeah. So yeah. I, I actually first saw this one, I want to say 2015. Um, I had seen Russ Meyer movies previously. I had always heard about this one. My uncle, who uh, has a background in film, is a small independent filmmaker. Um, he had the poster, and you know he lives in Colorado, so every time I was out there, we would watch different movies when I was growing up, but this was one of the ones where it was like, oh, you're not old enough for that one. It's not even like the themes, it's just you won't get it, you won't appreciate it. Um, so I had it in the back of my mind, and in like the height of what I would call the blue teak boom of 2013, well, to present, but really 2013, like 2016, when, you know, Scream Factory, Arrow, Vinegar Syndrome, all these things were really blowing up and just putting out quality content. This was just everywhere. And I was like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to blind buy it. You know, how, how bad could it be? Um, and what I'm really appreciative of is at that time I had played House of the Dead Overkill, which House of the Dead is you know, one of my favorite underrated um, first-person zombie shooter series, and House of the Dead Overkill is basically like, what if they made a video game that is set in the fashion of old-timey Grindhouse, complete to fake trailers, uh, basically based off of like Planet Terror and Death Proof, and you know, even one of the characters in the movie is is a stripper named Varla Guns, and she's obviously based on Varla from this movie. Uh, right. So highly recommend that game if you can find it. I know it was on PS3. I don't know. I think it was on Wii. I don't know what else, but um, yeah. So it's it's a very simple movie in terms of budget, in terms of story, but it's it's almost like a uh, a contained thriller stage play, and it definitely feels stagey. But if you're into that, if you're into the camp, you'll really appreciate it. Um, you know, one of my favorite barometer tests for these types of things is Sarah because she does like some weird, obscure shit, but I, as you know, like the weird, weird shit. Um, so I will show her things and she'll either be making a face like a four-year-old or she'll be putting down her phone and like suddenly she's interested. And she had a few comments in the very beginning just because the opening scene is so literally over the top. I mean, you have a narrator talking about these oh, strippers are bored one day and they're, they're just yes. going to go on a, like a, a fucking murder robbery spree and it's great and yeah. she's like what am I watching and then she's <laughs> like well, I like dancing I like the outfits and then like 10 minutes into it as soon as they got to the street race she's like alright I'm in I love this yeah. yeah I uh so I saw you know last week at the New Beverly and I went with my friend and now this is a friend who's like you know when it comes to movies like to total like normie you know sees like two three movies a year had never seen anything like this before and I, I was just like as we're saying that like i cannot believe you are actually about to watch this movie i am so curious what you think and i was telling him i was like this movie has such in my opinion a great opening you'll love it oh yeah without um, a doubt um to echo your point i think this is what i would call a movie 
for especially younger people who like movies but don't know that this kind of like you know this whole genre exists basically yes um, uh, the, the trailer oh, alone is, is one of the best trailers i've ever seen yeah um i i was reading letterbox reviews for it and i believe it was the top or second top review for this movie said something that i totally agreed with you know a lot of these exploitation films when you see like their their trailers like from back when they they sell you like an the they look insane. Like they look like such a fun movie, but then, you know, you watch a lot of them and they're not quite that. This is the one where you, you get what you see in the trailer. Like it actually lives up to the hype in my opinion of, you know, what you get. hundred percent. Um, so a great example there, like, you know, the, the don't movies don't look in the basement is very famous for this. And like the trailer is great. They just keep repeating the word don't and showing you all these like freeze frame, possible action shots possible like you know kills and you're like oh this looks great and then you watch the movie you're like wow that really sucked uh this trailer it basically picks up with the opening scene narration gives you the scope of the movie you know a large portion of it is what i would call the street race then knife fight set piece um you see a lot of that and then there's a whole nother scope of the movie which we haven't even gotten to and the way that it's just intercut throughout the trailer is is phenomenal um so yeah basically the story is you have three friends that are strippers or go-go dancers um they get fed up with the life they're into fast cars and they're fast women and uh they're they're out causing mayhem and they come across basically like the uh high school quarterback and his little girlfriend who's like this shy innocent mousy virgin and uh, they provoke them into a street race and it gets a little bit too close for comfort, ends up in a knife fight and uh, they, they end up killing the guy and then kidnapping the girl. And at that point, you're like, holy shit, what is happening in this movie? Oh, yeah. It, it, uh, from the opening narration to when they kidnap her, it, the movie basically just goes, you know, 100 miles an hour. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. And. For me, it introduced, you know, you really just get a good sense of, like, who Varla is, who's, I mean, my favorite character in the movie. Um, I love how, I feel like one of the reasons why this movie works so well, Russ Meyer, I feel like this is his best directing. Um, like, the way he shoots Varla, one of the, I read a review that says this, is, like, basically the same way Don Siegel shoots Clint Eastwood in Dirty Harry. That's just yes. this iconic, like, legendary, like, on-screen character. And I was like, damn, I totally agree with that. What's funny is, like, you mentioned, you know, Russ Meyer liked to shoot, you know, like to cast women with, you know, big boobs. Here, I feel like he really doesn't focus a lot on the boobs. He does a lot of, you know, butt stuff. And um, just a lot of, like, the shots, like, he'll just lower the camera. And it all looks so good in this one. So... To that point, I'm just going to look up the woman's name because, unfortunately, uh, I forgot. Vera Satana. Satana. No, no, not, not uh, Varla, the, um, the, the dark-haired uh, bisexual one. Not Rosie, the other one. Billy? All right, Billy's the blonde. Yeah, so Rosie, yeah. Um, yeah, so the, the women that he cast in this movie, like, they literally just have those proportions, and they're all natural. Uh, these are extremely, extremely curvy women, and that's something that he would repeatedly cast throughout his career. Um, I would call him like the anti-Michael Bay in terms of what they call like the, the male gaze gratuitous boob shots. Like Michael Bay will cast like 
you know, hot women that are wearing low cut shirts and he'll zoom in on it like this. You'll get the same shots, but it's organic. And that's just how they dress. And that's just how they look. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, the performances in in this movie are right out of like, yeah, I would say 30s, 40s film noir, especially the dialogue. Um, So after the street race, which turns into a kidnapping, they end up at the farm which is owned by the old man and he has two sons and one of them is um i guess developmentally disabled but he's also like apparently a male model and billy falls in love with him um they find out that there was a train heist and they want to steal the money the girl that they're holding is worth a good ransom and there's just this really like tense scene where the old man invites them in and he's like you know all right we're all going to sit down for lunch and talk business and you're like building up to this lunch scene. And if it was like just a regular stage play, you know, you'd figure, all right, well, some shit's going to happen at this lunch scene. It's going to, you know, build the next thing. Instead, Billy just gets rip roaring drunk and insults everybody. And at that point, like the, the girl group is fighting with each other. The sons are, are testing their loyalty with the old man. And it just, it all reaches ahead and it's, it's great. Yeah, totally. Um, the yeah the way russ uh meyer just builds everything up is just phenomenal um uh all the characters like you said super memorable um like 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 i said the the normie person who i saw with they i mean they don't love it like we do but they they liked it they did think uh their complaint was that they felt kind of started to drag in the second act but then once like the finale happens it like really brings it all home um and yeah, yeah the, he, he um, just craps like I feel like like I mean I haven't seen as many of his movies as you, but I think these are like his by far his most memorable characters, like by far. Oh, absolutely. Um the own like you know, his most famous movie is probably From Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. Um yes, I mean I saw that recently for the first time. It's all right. It's it's not his usual. Um, you know, it's more of like a Statement piece, obviously, that was the one that was famously written by uh, Roger Ebert. And, um, you know, it, it's it's basically like the, uh, you would you would get this reference, the Claremont equivalent of a Russ Meyer movie. It's like, what if you had a Russ Meyer movie that was just filled with endless fucking dialogue and text? And that's yeah, basically I, what that movie is. Yeah, that one's really just like a, a vibe movie for the most part. Yeah. Um, yeah, I got to um, see it uh, like a month, a few months ago, and uh, at at the New Beverly. And oh shoot, who was it? I want to say it was Erica Gavin, who who's like in the movie. She like introduced it and like talked about uh getting cast. It was funny. She said like the casting was, she met Russ Meyer and like the casting director, and they're just like, uh, can you just take your top off? She did, and they're like, okay, you're hired. <laughs> yeah, that's basically how it was. Um, but yeah, you know, and, and one other thing they, uh, you know, they play like trailers before all the movies and, uh, I had never seen this. They played this like featurette from back, uh, when did Beyond the Valley of the Dolls come out? Like 1970, whatever. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it was just a behind the scenes making of it. And it was actually really interesting to watch like Russ Meyer, like at work doing his thing. Um, I think that's on the, uh, cause I have the Criterion release of it. Interesting. 
But yeah, that was really cool. Um, but yeah, back to Faster Pussycat. Um, I think I love the dynamic of the girl. The girl who gets kidnapped. Uh, it's is it Linda, right? Is that her name? Yeah. Okay. I love how she's trying to like warn the like all the guys like, hey, these people are like nuts. They kidnapped me and like literally just like killed my boyfriend. Like, get me out of here. Uh, but like really, no one's believing her at first. Um, her her like back and forth with the uh the older brother and like Varla. I love that that whole dynamic and like how that comes to a head at the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. Well, you find out like the old man. You know, you you know that he's sinister off the bat, but then you find out like, you know, oh, he lost his legs because he was either like robbing a train or he was a pedophile in the middle of an act when a train ran him over, and you know he blames the train because it destroyed his livelihood and took his wife, and it's like he's just the most evil character imaginable when you're already with basically a pack of serial killers. Yes, he's and he hates women. I, he has that line where it's like, "Ah, oh, you let him, you know, you let him vote, and they all vote Democrat or whatever." Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, he's amazing. There's a amazing cut they do where uh, the first time you meet them is when they go to the gas station to refill, and they're talking to the attendant, who's this kind of just like weirdo loser guy, and he's like, "Look, there they are," and it just cuts to the the younger brother just carrying the dad and like. It's so funny. Like the whole theater laughed when that happened. Um, mm-hmm. R- Russ Meyer just nails like the comedy cuts in this one, um, and I do like how you get to see how like Varla gets inside. I believe What's his name Kirk. Is that the older brother? Kind of like his head. Sh- like yeah. On the one hand, it's like Kirk yes, or Kurt, but- I don't remember offhand, yeah. but it's one of those. Yeah. On the one hand, like she's totally like manipulating him for self gain, like no doubt. But also like she is like gen- genuinely showing him that like uh, your father is like kind of a terrible person like you do realize this right yeah and um it definitely reaches what i would say a satisfying conclusion um it's one of those things where it's like you know simultaneously oh gosh yeah, I'm here. I, I said it reaches a satisfying conclusion that's simultaneously predictable, but also you didn't think it was going to go there. Yeah, because uh, well, the first time I saw it, I was thinking, eh, I think Violet's going to kill him, and like we're going to like, uh, I thought she's going to kill him or they kill like each other. I, I really did not think uh, he he would live and she would die. Um, but yeah incredible ending um yeah just great kills uh like an ex- like you said an exciting like hand to hand fight climax between Varla and Kirk um and yeah the uh my friend did complain he felt like the uh Billy's death was kind of like out of nowhere and like never really like seized upon which I, I could see that you know someone thinking that um but but i do like uh i do like her whole thing with the younger brother that's going on and, until she dies mm-hmm. well yeah because they they keep calling him like um what do they call him the vegetable i mean yeah that's literally what he's listed as in the credits yeah and like you know it, it's basically like almost a, a frankenstein's monster thing at that point yeah 
Um, but yeah, sick cars, sick women. Um, and kind of like I said at the beginning, like if you ever watch the exploitation films and feel like they don't like live up to what people say they are, I feel like this is like the one that just absolutely does. Oh, absolutely. Um, so yeah, in terms of direction, I mean, especially the, the beginning, this one is is top notch. Um, I would give the edge to Super Vixens, which is a much, much different movie. And the last, I would say, hour of that movie, or at least the last like 35 minutes, basically becomes live action Looney Tunes. And not in the baby's day out way where it's, you know, supposed to be like a comedic fantasy world. Like literally there's a chick being tied to railroad tracks and there's dynamite involved and it's just fucking bananas. Yeah. I haven't seen that one. Um... That one definitely has a much more uh, pornographic tint to it. I mean, it's not like anything like hardcore, but you know, it's, it's not, like this movie um but it's it's a damn good movie and unfortunately like russ meyer's whole royalties everything is just tied up in legal hell uh we got you know faster pussycat we got beyond the valley of the dolls you ain't gonna see anything else anytime soon which is really unfortunate um there were dvd sets and i was fortunate enough to get a lot of those but like they are so so out of print they're probably like 15 20 years old and like even on ebay you'll you'll find like you know a box set with like four of his random movies for like 900 bucks mm-hmm. so you know every time i see like arrow and severin gets like a, a shaw brothers collection or euro crypt or christopher lee i'm like holding out hope i'm like come on get those russ meyer rights right uh, but yeah, no, now we can move on to who I would argue is the most underrated unsung director, writer of all time, Mr. Jack Hill. Uh, I believe this is our first Jack Hill movie. Uh, yeah. So Jack Hill uh, basically started with 60s horror. He was coming off the heels of Herschel Gordon Lewis. Uh, he has a fairly good movie that has many, many weird cuts called, um, well, it was released as Bloodbath. It has many, many titles. If you get it from Arrow, it's Bloodbath, and then it has all the other cuts with it. There's like four different versions of this really weird vampire movie about paintings. Um, but his most famous horror movie is Spider Baby. And what's interesting here is right around the time that I started to take notice of, you know, who the directors were, I had seen a ton of Jack Hill movies. He did coffee. Yeah. Uh, that's why he's most famous you know, for probably. Yeah. That he did uh, a bunch of the Philippine women in prison movies, uh, big bird house, big bird. Big cage. Go- yeah. Um, I didn't realize that he had done spider baby. And this is a movie I'd never seen. When I was in all the horror groups, I keep hearing about this movie, and I'm like, I like 60s horror. I like Jack Hell. Why have I never seen this? So I sat down and I watched it, and I was like, holy shit, that was as good as advertised. And then I realized, oh, it's Jack Hell, and these are all the other things he did. Of course I love it. 
Um, so thankfully, unlike Russ Meyer, pretty much all of the Jack Hill movies are readily available on Blu-ray. Uh, they're pretty much all highly, highly recommended. And a lot of them are through Arrow, including Switchblade Sisters. So as we said, this is probably the movie that Tarantino will point to as his favorite. Uh, and, you know, this being his theater, I'm, I'm sure that was probably the uh, main event. And I would imagine I, most of the people in the audience had never seen this movie before. Um, yeah, I mean, they did a shit like the guy asked, like, hey, who's, a, who's seen this for the first time? And for Faster Pussycat, I would say there are probably more people that had seen than not seen. Th- mm-hmm. This one, there was more, I feel like, not seen than seen. Um, but, and uh, your your friend too, right? I'm guessing. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, but but yeah, but honestly, a lot of people did just leave after Faster Pussycat, um, since you know, obviously that's like the first movie and probably like the more well known one. Um, but yeah, I Jack Hill. I've seen Coffee, but I think that's it. Um, I've seen like he he always plays because uh, when Tarantino plays like he pl- plays his own movies on Fridays at midnight, and you know before them he has like a pre-show that like of stuff he selected and for jackie brown it's always you know the trailer for coffee foxy brown i was gonna say it would be the trailer for foxy brown more than coffee but yeah 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 those two the two pam greer ones and then uh one of like the dollhouse movies like the the one that has pam greer in it um Mm -hmm. and yeah um so this was the second movie i've seen from him after coffee um and yeah, again, had like no idea, like what it was about going in, um, and I can definitely see like the influence on like you know Tarantino stuff. I would say I see a lot more of like if I'm like I can see why this is like one of his favorite movies, but honestly, just like objectively looking at, it, I see like a lot more of like Coffee and Foxy Brown and like his stuff. Um, Switchblade Sisters. I mean, they also did play like we and we watched Kill Bill at midnight same day. Uh- and I could see like Switchblade Sisters, like some influence on Kill Bill, but honestly, same with Faster Pussycat. Well, so what I and this is also one of I mean, both of these are, are in my favorite movies. Um, Faster Pussycat, I have in my top ten. Switchblade Sisters, probably in my top forty. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of the things I love about Jack Hill is. You know, all, all the things they like to talk about now, representation, diversity, blah, blah, blah. He's he <laughs> is the epitome of doing it, how we say, organically. Like, he didn't care about any of that shit. And he used real world, like, issues with race and, you know, classism, sexism. And he just put it in his movies. And he's like, you know, when you're in a war, all that shit goes out the window. You know, like they say, there's no atheists in foxholes. And... um really comes across especially in this movie because this movie at like surface value and you're looking at the cover you're like oh it's it's a girl gang they look like you know 50s greasers in the 70s and they're probably gonna like you know steal some cars and have a knife fight and then when you get to the third act you're like holy shit i'm watching like dark knight rises here what the fuck (laughs) yeah um i i like the movie i didn't Love it. Like, I mean, Astro Pussycat, I would put in my top 100 movies of all time. Definitely not this. I mean, I did really enjoy it. Would would definitely buy like a Blu-ray or something. Uh, my friend actually liked this one more than Faster Pussycat, which I did find interesting. Um, but yeah, Jack Hill, like, 
um, I mean, honestly, his style does remind me a lot of Tarantino in that he's just concerned with, like, is the movie, like, entertaining and just fucking cool to watch? And I would say he succeeds in both those things with this one. Um, I do think it does start to drag a bit in the second half. I was like, okay, let's, like, get to the finale. Come on, come on. Um, but yeah, I just, uh, this, like, this world he creates with Switchblade Sisters, it's just, like, so weird and bizarre, but I find it so, but I loved it. All right, so you know how I always like to put the spin on, like, I'll combine existing movies and be like, the result is this movie we're talking about. Switchblade Sisters, I would say, is West Side Story, Rebel Without a Cause, and The Warriors. I, I can see those, yeah. And I mean, that's that's pretty much the, the summary of the movie. Um, you have this girl gang that are the companion piece to the boy gang and the leader is with dominic who's like you know basically like mr big shit leader of the t-birds and what were they the four aces or that was a rival gang uh oh crap they are they're not the demons that was bonzi's gang wait for the guys or the girls the the guys Aren't they the Silver Daggers? That's right, Silver Daggers. Then the Dagger Depths is the girl. Yes. yes. Um, so originally, the movie was released as the Jezebels, and nobody saw it. And then they re-released it as Switchblade Sisters, and everybody saw it. And it became like an instant overnight cult sensation. That makes so much sense, because when my friend and I were talking about the uh, movie, like after, we were like, we thought for sure when they renamed themselves, they were going to rename themselves like the Switchblade Sisters. And then mm-hmm. they're like, we're the Jezebels. We're like, what? <laughs> but okay, that makes a lot more sense. It was originally called the Jezebels. <laughs> so this is one of those movies where I put it on because, you know, it's one of those movies, I'll just watch it whenever. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't even showing it to Sarah, but she was there. So she was watching it with me. And she's watching it and she's like, this is like almost like the framework of Mean Girls. I love it. And I was like, yeah, kind of. You have the new girl, Maggie, who's like, you know, you, you find out she was kicked out of her old school, but she seems to be like kind of the good girl. And oh, no, she's not. Um, you have the previous leader who is feeling pushed out. And then her lieutenant, who's the standout character of the movie, is Patch. Yes. And, you know, she she gave an eye for this gang. Yeah. Um, you know, well, but there's like this incredible scene where Maggie is, let's say, forcibly involved in a relationship with Dom now. And uh, at first she's not into it for obvious reasons. And then she's kind of like, oh, whatever. Um, yeah, that was a weird scene. That was, that was a weird scene. <laughs> that, that's a that is a Jack Hill staple. That's an exploitation staple. Um, and then the rival male gang is in cahoots with the Dagger Debs, Patch, and uh, shit. What's the main girl's name? I can't remember. Uh, Lace. Lace, right? I, how can I forget Lace? Uh, so yeah, Lace is feeling pushed out and jealous, and you find out that they've basically formulated a plan to get Maggie killed and this all goes down at the roller rink and now you have all out gang warfare 
which results in Maggie finding the black gang and being like, yes, these like, I, I need American, like, and RPGs <laughs> because we're going to fucking war. Yeah. Um, like going off that, I love how, cause the reason they're ambushed at the roller rink is because I can't remember the gang, the, the silver daggers are fighting, but it's like guys from another school. And again, this is just like, like, People listening that haven't seen will think, what? What is he saying? But like, this is literally what happens in the movie. So the rival gang, their school gets closed down and they're going to be like transferring into their school. And like the principal like comes up to like, you know, these like students and he's like, guys, can I please talk to you? Can you please give me some of your time? And, you know, they're, Dominic's like, okay, fine. I'll give you some time. And the principal's like begging him to like have peace at the school and stuff. Like, you know, as if he isn't like, you know, an adult and these are children. It's so great. Yeah, I mean, it's it's so bizarre because it does start out like, you know, not lighthearted, but they're all teenagers, they're in gangs, but it's kind of like West Side Story. It's like, all right, we're going to get like a knife fight, a carjacking. Nope, you're going to get like mass murder and urban warfare. Yeah, uh, my, my favorite scene by far in the whole movie is, uh, so when we first meet Lace, it's because... Um, She's at the uh, place they like to hang out at. You know, of course, they'd never pay for their food, whatever. And, you know, they get into a big fight and um, they get arrested. And the scene of them, like, in the jail cell with the, uh, or I guess it would be juvenile hall, with the correctional officers is so good. They, they like, you know, end up just, because they originally take Lace away to be, like, uh, like I can't remember what, aren't they going to, like, are they good? They're gonna be saying like really weird to her. I can't even remember what it is. And originally, the, well, the, the, the warden is basically like an evil lesbian, kind of like uh, almost Ilsa territory, and she's like abusing the girls. And then Maggie's yeah. like, "I can take it." Yeah, and then originally, Lace and the others aren't helping, but then they're like, "You know, we hate that that bitch warden. Let's go." And then it's just this incredible, incredible fight scene between all of them. And I guess. I honestly couldn't tell if this is like just Lace calling her this, but like the Warren's also like her mom. That that honestly, I was like, wait, what the fuck? But yeah, just incredible scene. Um, by far my favorite in the movie. Um, and yeah, it's just a this movie is just a, a crazy vibe from start to finish. Oh yeah, I mean this is one where like if you don't know what to expect, you you'll just be like, wait, what? <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely something I want to rewatch because I will admit, first time I was watching, I was pretty damn tired from just the whole day I had had, um, like struggling, be like, "Oh my god, stay awake." Um, but yeah, the like Faster Pussycat, the third act finale is just like just ramps it up even more. Um, like me and my friend were so shocked that like that Maggie like literally like fatally stabs Lace in like uh, like her carotid artery or whatever, and. Yeah. And yeah, Patch, probably the, my favorite character in the movie. Oh, yeah. Patch is great. Donut's great. But yeah, basically, like all the girls, you know, they, they rally around Maggie, and uh, there's this huge showdown with Maggie and Lace, and Maggie definitely takes her out. Uh, and then at the end, they're all getting arrested. And it reminds me of my, my favorite. Uh, finale season three sons of anarchy when they're all getting arrested at the end and then like you know there, there's no fear and, and maggie just like goes off on this tirade and she's like you know lock me away i'll be back 
you can't put me down. Yeah, she's like the Jezebels will return. It's yeah, like freaking Marvel thing. The Jezebels will return next movie. Um, but yeah, no, the uh, I I would love to see this one in the theater, especially with people who had never seen it before. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm glad that they're they're doing this stuff. You know, this movie is is weirdly on Shutter, uh, so you have fucking normies and and. You know, people who who like to uh, do normie friendly reviews, calling it a almost horror movie, and I'm like, no, this is this is not a horror this movie. Is this is a movie. definitional exploitation movie. This, yeah, exploitation, yeah, action film. Um, yeah, I was, I will say, if I had to like guess, I would say this movie came out in, like 19 like 81 or something, but 75, kind of like what you said about Faster Pussycat. Like, it feels like ahead of the times almost in that sense. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, and yeah, I definitely need to see more Dracula movies. I really want to see uh his other uh Pam Green movie, the Coffee Brown. Or no, not Foxy Brown. I want Foxy, to see that. Oh one. yeah, if you haven't seen Foxy Brown, definitely. Yeah, I've seen I've seen definitely. Coffee. Love that one. Um, yep. And yeah, I I definitely need to see more of his movies. His style is like right up my alley. And wow, I didn't know this. He's still alive today. Ninety years. Yes, old. he is. Good for him. Yeah, he, he definitely had a, a varied career. Um, couple, like I said, women in prison movies, mostly shot on no budget in the Philippines, all using the same people. Um, a lot of the same themes throughout, you know, tons, tons of nudity, tons of, uh, let's say, uncomfortable scenes. A um, lot of violence, a lot of guns, explosions in the third act. And then his horror is, uh, is pretty good. Some of his earliest stuff. If you haven't seen Spider Baby, I would say watch that one immediately because, especially in contrast to this, to Coffee, to Foxy Brown, it's such a different movie. But you could see a lot of his style, a lot of his themes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw they, uh, I didn't go to it just because I didn't want to drive out to LA that day. They did a double of the uh, Big Dollhouse and the Birdcage, and that, that looked fun, but they ended up going. Uh, but yeah, Spider Baby, I'll definitely check that one out. And the other one you mentioned was it Bloodbath? Bloodbath, you can you can wait on. Uh, yeah. Like I said, it's it's a almost incomplete movie. There's like four different cuts, and if you don't have the Blu-ray that like basically tells you like this is an assembly cut movie, you have to watch the making of and the whole story. Like it's a, it's a sit down experience. But um, Spider Baby, I believe, is still up on YouTube. It's an easy watch, I believe. It is Lon Chaney Jr.'s last movie, and it's Sid Haig's first movie. Yes, I believe the guy that was talking before mentioned that. I'm almost positive. Um, I was looking at his filmography. I'm surprised he, he's only made like 18 movies, like a few of which are short films. Not a, I mean, I would have guessed that the dude made like 50 movies, but... No, I mean, especially for exploitation, like a lot of people would do it kind of on a lark or like getting their foot in the door or like late stage career to try to come back. Um, you know, Jack Hill was pretty consistent throughout. And then he just basically was like, oh, I don't really want to do this anymore. Yeah, I was, I was interested. It was interesting. His last movie is in 82. What was his last movie? His last movie was Sorcerer. Sorceress. Okay, that's what I thought. So, it's if you've never seen that one, uh, that is a a 
horribly named movie. Uh, it is actually about twins who are sorceresses and they are either playmates or penthouse pets. And it is a off the wall sword and sandals fantasy movie, which he had never done anything like that before. Interesting. Um, yeah, I'll check that out. But it was interesting. I was reading like just about Jack Hill before we got on. And obviously, you know, the Tarantino influence is clear. I mean, what's your face in Kill Bill 2? I mean, literally looks like Patch. Um, mm-hmm. but I, I didn't know this. Uh, Francis Ford Coppola says some of movie he of uh, his a student film Jack Hill made called The Host was like a big influence on him. Um, and Apocalypse Now. Which that was just interesting to read. That is interesting. I've I've never seen that one, so yeah. I'd be interested in that. Um, and I and Adriana, I'm sure you're familiar with his because I've seen a couple of his films. Uh, Monte Hellman. He mm-hmm. he also cites uh Jack Hill as like one of his like, like the guy who inspired me. I mean, it doesn't surprise me. Like Jack Hill has a lot of uh staples that would you know show up in the horror genre definitely exploitation action uh but you'll see callbacks to it like throughout the 90s early 2000s especially like you know tarantino kill bill stuff like that um there are a ton of jack hill wannabes ripoffs offshoots a lot of uh things like combination between i'd say this between probably Foxy Brown and then some of like the women in prison movies. Uh, I know trauma did a bunch of them. There's one called less for freedom is great. I mean, yeah. if you go down that rabbit hole though, there, there are like hundreds and hundreds of those movies, you know, oh, yeah. they bust out Roger Corman did a, a ton with Jack Hill from Jack Hill. Um, but yeah, no, it's, uh, it's it's definitely like a whole new world, especially for normies who aren't quite normies. They're like, oh, I like movies, but, you know, I don't really know much about it. What else is out there? And it's like, you know, well, here's 40 movies you never heard of before. Enjoy. Yeah, it was interesting. I mean, I would say, I mean, I don't know for sure, but just using my two eyes. I mean, it was mostly a younger crowd for the showing that we were. And it was it was sold out, like at least Faster Pussycat was like sold out. Mm-hmm. Um and that a lot, of, I mean, it was, you know, you bought one ticket and it gets you into both. A lot of people just didn't stay for Switchblade, but they should have. Um, but yeah, it's, um, and it seemed like everyone loved, loved both movies that saw both, you know. Yeah, um, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not surprised. Um, yeah, they, they definitely hold up. But yeah, I would say, um, as far as the next one to watch, jump on spider baby immediately yeah i'll have, and, to, uh, I'll have to find somewhere to watch that i'm pretty sure it's still on youtube if not it's it's probably on like tubi it's probably on shutter yeah probably yeah i'll definitely check that one out and we can review it yeah i mean then and, and go into it blind because it's got a weird i guess backstory i mean like they explain there's a definitely made up medical condition for the children and that's kind of the framework for the movie and then 
the other characters in the movie besides Lon Chaney, who's kind of like their Alfred, they're not aware of that. And then the whole movie unfolds because of that. And it's, it's just fucking bizarre. Interesting. Yeah. I'll go in blind. I mean, I only know really what you've said about it, so we'll see. And I think it's only, it's probably less than an hour and a half. It's black uh, and white. And it's, I saw it's, no, it's like, no budget. It's, yeah, it's like 75 minutes. Yeah. So quick watch. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I find, you know, movies from that period just tend to interest me a lot more than a lot of the new stuff we get. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you on that. Especially stuff I haven't seen. But yeah. Everyone should watch both of these movies. They're fantastic. Oh yeah, I would definitely recommend um you know, if if you like any kind of exploitation, if you like car chases, if you like, you know, badass chicks, um but highly recommended both of these movies. Yeah, the only caveats I would maybe say, well, I mean, obviously, if you don't like exploitation films, you'll not like these films. Barfly yeah. Pussycat, love it, but kind of like you said, I mean, some of the dialogue is like, it's very much like, you know, feels like almost 50s kind of dialogue. So maybe if you don't like that, you might not like it as much, but I, I think it's definitely worth the watch if you're at all interested in exploitation films. Yeah, no, definitely. So, all right, this was fun. Uh, we will have to figure out what we're going to cover next. And, uh, yeah. Yep. We'll, uh, we'll have to find some more exploitation films to watch. And then of course, you know, get Justin to watch a couple of them to see his reaction. <laughs> 2023, Justin goes into exploitation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We got weird horror out of the way last year. Now for, uh, super fixings. <laughs> I, I can't imagine Justin watching Super <laughs> No, I, I would uh I would I would have him start with the Warriors, honestly. He's probably seen it, but Yeah. That's probably the most normie friendly exploitation thing I can think of. Probably. That's almost I would say that one like really pushes like just being like a just a mainstream film, honestly. Oh yeah, definitely. But no, I think we're we're trying to do the uh, the weird sci-fi, the cam early Cameron ones. Oh yes, um, the Galaxy of Terror, and, Galaxy of Terror, uh, and Forbidden and, World. Yep. Yes, we'll de- I'll have to rewatch those. Yeah, we can definitely do that. That'll be a fun one. But yeah, no, we we can. Uh, I'll I'll go down the list and uh, I'll put some stuff together for us to check out because yeah, there there are a fuck ton of them. Mm-hmm. So, all right, let me see if I can find Justin because he has to actually turn the recording off. Otherwise, I guess we just exit it and And hope for the best. (laughs) Justin will just have a large recording to fetch. Yep. I just tagged him, so... Okay. All right. Well, uh, good pod, and uh, yeah, see you next time. All right, man. See you.